penguins, zambonis, and redneck bars, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Hey, Booterites, Booterians, and Booteristas, we are here for another episode of the Booterverse podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. Comedian Stuart Huff stops by the show. Judy Scheinbaum answers his questions. And of course, we have a Booter thought for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks, haven't you always wanted to share a saw with another man? And now for news in my orbit. In today's special report, WBTR The Booter brings you a story from the future. future. Okay, all right, that's enough, okay. It's in the future, okay? In our first story, Canada continues to step up patrols along its border with the U.S., turning away more than 40,000 last week alone. This brings the estimated total number of so-called Trump jumpers to 3 million as they have attempted to flee to the Great White North since President Trump's election last November. And the strain continues to be felt on both sides. The hairpiece embargo has entered its second month, with the U.S. still steadfastly refusing to export premium hairpieces to Canada. The U.N. High Commission for Refugees has been dropping food and other supplies to refugee camps that have sprung up all along the border from Maine to Montana in what displaced urban hipsters have dubbed Burning Man North. The wide use of marijuana in the camps has made the Mounties' job easier because most of the refugees eventually forgot why they were there and never even attempted to cross the border. Thanks, Colorado. Meanwhile, in advance of the 2017 season, the NHL continues its desperate bid to stop Canada's recall of all Canadian nationals playing in the league. In the midst of this drama, Boston Bruins forward Patrice Bergeron is defying the recall and has holed up in a suburban Motel 6 with a case of Labatt Blue and a stash of unregulated poutine. In response, the Canadian government has revoked his skate rental privileges and suspended his Zamboni license for the foreseeable future. Rinks nationwide are literally melting as millions, okay thousands, all right, maybe a hundred, hockey moms keep candlelight vigils burning as the crisis continues. But after weeks of standoffs with no quarter from either side, it's clear the Canadian government isn't pucking around. We'll be right back right after this with part two of our Canadian crisis coverage. Hey everybody, Marsha Houlihan here for Synthetic Maple Syrup. That's right, maple syrup. Why synthetic? Well, my husband Walt says it feels just like the real thing. And now back for part two of our special Canadian crisis coverage from the future. Future. Do I still have to do that? Okay. Okay, it's in the contract? Okay. From the future. In refugee news, Toby Winkle, the noodle boy, has finally been reunited with his parents after their nearly three-month bid to join their son in Canada, and they were officially granted political asylum by the Canadian Parliament yesterday. Eight-year-old Toby became famous last March when his parents released him into the Detroit River on a raft made only of pool noodles. 
the scene of them standing on the riverbank sobbing and shouting, Float to freedom, Tobykins, has propelled the Winkle family to fame on both sides of the border and provided the world's most iconic imagery since Trump's hairpiece went rogue during the inauguration. Toby drifted up the river for approximately 15 minutes before his raft reached the other side and he was pulled from the water at the edge of a bed, bath, and beyond parking lot by an innocent Canadian bystander who had only gone out that day to take advantage of a sale on pillow shams. He was recovered from the water in good condition, saying that he had to pee and asking if his iPad could still get Netflix in Canada. It may sound extreme, yet, like a dilapidated Tim Hortons, this is far from an isolated incident. Parents all over the U.S. are desperate to ensure their children never have to hear the words, you're fired, in a State of the Union address ever again. The Winkles aren't sure exactly why they were singled out by the Canadian government, but they are certainly glad to be the poster family for the Poutine Pipeline, also dubbed the Gravy Train, and historians are likening it to the Underground Railroad. It's hard to say who their Harriet Tubman is, but for my money, it's probably Aunt Jemima. While their story appears to have a happy ending, things have not been so easy for the Winkles. Mr. Winkle has taken a job in a maple syrup factory, and Mrs. Winkle has joined the sordid ranks of Windsor Casino showgirls. As for Toby, he's embraced his new Canadian identity, saying he loves the Canadian alphabet, but is having a little bit of trouble with the letter A. Ongoing Canada Crisis 2017 coverage will be right back, right after this. Today's episode of The Booterverse is brought to you by Poutine. Poutine, because ketchup doesn't grow that far north. We're now back with WBTR, The Booter, news from the future. 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 Seriously, am I still having to do this with the future? Okay, all right. Future it is. In our final story of the Canada crisis, the maple syrup shortage south of the border has entered its 32nd week and tempers are fraying. The bed and breakfast industry is near collapse as prices have surged near $5,000 a pint. One Pennsylvania B&B owner, who wishes to remain anonymous, has resorted to the black market and has been able to keep her doors open. I got scared at the beginning because I knew the closing of the border with Canada was going to deal us a blow. But once I realized Canadian bacon was just ham, well, I thought we'd be all right. I had no idea it would get so bad. Now she, and many like her, have gotten mixed up in the dirty business of the ultra-powerful Quebecois syrup cartel. Allegedly run by one Jacques Sapp, Sapp's agents seized control of Canada's strategic maple syrup reserve in an armed coup last fall, and now control 98% of the world's maple syrup supply. Since the exportation of Canadian goods to the U.S. was outlawed in January, over 2 million gallons have been seized by Canadian authorities. It's clear U.S. citizens are sweating for the sweet stuff, as syrup has supplanted opiates as the number one cause of violent crime and incarceration during President Trump's first term. Canines have now been trained to sniff out maple syrup as people attempt to smuggle it into the country any way they can. The TSA has reported a 1,337% increase in maple syrup searches, resulting in untold gallons of syrup recovered from people's rectums. Talk about a sticky situation. While the situation has been tight for everyone, it's the Canadians who have suffered the most. It has caused them to shed their characteristic niceness and share a hard truth with their southern neighbors. 
That truth can now be summed up by a famous Toronto billboard, which simply stated for all Americans to hear, you got trumped. As a final note, those wishing to help refugees are advised by the authorities that the items most needed are lattes, quinoa, and patchouli. Also, the occasional unicycle would not go amiss. Please contact your local farmer's market for more information about where to send your donations. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Moose. Moose. Because if you ever wanted scientific proof that Bigfoot had carnal relations with Bambi, it was staring you in the face all along. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse. I'm sitting here with comedian Stuart Huff. Stuart, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, We've tried to schedule this a couple times and I'm glad it worked out. You are like that hard-to-get date, but I finally landed my whale, my friend. (laughs) I'm the Ahab of podcasters. You're the first human to ever say I'm a hard-to-get date. Mm. I love it. It feels good. It should feel good. You are like my white whale. (laughs) You're always there. You're in the ether. I can never find you, but now I have you here. Right. (laughs) It's right here. I'm wrapped up with ropes. Now, you are on the road some, what was it, 48 weeks a year, something crazy like that? Yeah, I've for the last uh, at least decade, I've probably averaged anywhere from 46 to 50. Now, can I call you a roadie? Oh, yeah, I'm a road car. Co- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You're there. I hate flying. Last year, I did 48 weeks, I think, and I flew once, drove all the other ones, because that's part of my riding, too. I need to be in the car. I need to be moving. You know, I need to to see a sign and think something. I need to pull over and go into a weird restaurant and eavesdrop on people's conversations and listen to what people are saying and what people are wearing and doing. I don't want to be on a plane with headphones in thinking about my own life. I want to be looking at other people. Now, when you were younger, did you find the traditional way of learning difficult? In the sense that oh, yeah. you're behind a desk, you're sitting down, you're having to listen and just kind of... I was bored to death. I was so bored. I uh, My junior year of high school, I, this is not an exaggeration, I made straight Fs my junior year of high school. Sophomore year, I think I had two Bs and the rest were As, but it's, I was so bored, I just gave up. I was like, I don't care anymore. Like English class, I had already read the books that were required reading. I just didn't show up for the test. I just didn't care. So I made straight F. So my senior year of high school, my counselor told me that I had to make straight A's just to graduate. Wow. Yeah. So that, and so I, I had to, so I did, you know, but I was so bored. I, I think, I mean, education, I think has got to change that to me. That's my biggest sticking point on stage. I talk about it every night, every show I do. The last two CDs, last three CDs I've put out have some sort of bit about education on them. Why that topic? I mean, just, you know, what about it gravitates you toward it? I think every social issue we're dealing with, if, if it couldn't be fixed by education, it could definitely be helped by education. I think freedom without intelligence is dangerous. I think the education system is is 100 years behind, maybe 50 years behind at least. I mean, you look at what we have, like we're teaching kids, you know, information, we, which at one point was needed. I mean, at one point, the idea that there was a building in your town where someone had books, are you kidding? 
You know, you go back to like 1650, the only books that existed were rich people, the king, and the pope. That was it. So you didn't even have access to information. And now there's going to be a building where you could send your kids and someone's going to open a book and tell them something that's in it? Well, that is no longer the case. You can look up anything on your phone. Are you curious? Did we have a president that was elected into the KKK on the White House lawn? You can find out right now. All you got to do is type it into your phone. You can find out how many atomic weapons are sitting on the bottom of the ocean floor that someone just accidentally dropped from a plane. You want to know? You can find out right now. Do you know the answer to that question? Right? Eleven. Yeah. Well, uh, Jacques Cousteau, if you're out there, for <laughs> yeah. God's sake, find those and get get them away yeah. from my hair. And by the way, let, let's link this because this would be interesting. I learned that I became interested in that and learned that because I was driving through a back road in South Carolina and there was a historical uh, marker, right? And it said atomic weapon. And I went, what was that? So I actually turned around, parked and read the marker. There are two atomic bombs off the coast of South Carolina on the ocean floor. I mean, well, that's comforting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, you know, according to the market and I, I sat in my car and researched it. They're not going to explode. They, they've gone down there and done whatever, but they're still there. They exist. They're just lying there on the I mean, just hanging out. But see, I learned that on my phone sitting on the back road in South Carolina. So what? what's the point of teaching kids facts anymore? I think what we need to do now is inspire them to want to learn. And as soon as you do that, the internet will take care of itself. You know? uh, I'm just worried now, Stuart, because of a disgruntled jellyfish that might go down there and start pushing some buttons. You know what I mean? That is true. And th there's a part of me that wouldn't blame him. No. no. I mean, at this point, he's he's going to ride that wave. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? A little nuclear blast under the ocean. I mean, boom. he's just trying to be a jellyfish. He's floating around. There's probably coolers and toilet seat lids everywhere. He's just he's doing sick what he it. does. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's angry and... Can't really blame him. I'm against jellyfish violence, but I don't blame jellyfish violence. Mm. Have you ever pissed on somebody's leg when somebody was stung by a jellyfish to help I them have, out? I have not. Have you? Not that I remember. Not that you remember. Has I'm anybody sure I probably pissed, pissed on is, someone's leg. Is that a thing? Is that a like a thing? Oh, that that's people a thing, say? Stuart. That's what they do. Is that right? That's what lifeguards are trained to do on the beaches of our great nation. See, that's fantastic. See, you didn't know that. Is there any kind of scientific, uh, factual background for that? Absolutely or just, not. Absolutely not. Really? So someone's just yelling, and you kind of piss on them. Absolutely. Say, hey, be quiet. I'll piss on you. You'll be all right. Which I imagine is like being in some of the comedy clubs you've actually played. Mm. Now, is it true that you've been punched in the face at least twice while on stage? No, once on stage. And the other? Off stage, uh, a guy and the bouncer of the of the club, by the way, both uh, kicked my kicked my butt pretty pretty bad. <laughs> I saw I was actually on the floor in a fetal position, and this guy was uh, kicking me in the back, right? And I I saw through my you know slit of my fingers, I saw the bouncer coming towards me, and I thought, okay, he's going to stop him. And then the bouncer came over and started kicking my legs. <laughs> now, Stuart, I. What did you do? I went into a redneck bar in the middle of, uh, you know, an area, and I gave them all my opinions, and they mm. showed me that they did not agree with my opinions. Well, they showed you how they deal with people who disagree with exactly. their opinions. Exactly. And that's how they took care of that. Now, Stuart, we have gone very deep into some social issues right now. Let's go a little lighter. Let's, let's get a little bit more servicey, shall we? Okay. Who cuts your hair? Anybody that's near me when it gets in my eyes and starts to bug me. Do you find that men have a singular approach to hair? And this is what it is. We wake up one morning mm -hmm. and we have a single thought. 
my hair is too long, it must be cut, and that day, or until we can get it cut, it is the single thing on our minds. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, and it, my hair, I actually cared about my hair at one point, uh, but it's so horrible that now, for the last decade, all I want it to do is get out of my face. Don't be annoying. That's all I wanted to do. Get out of my face. Don't be annoying. So basically, you treat your hair like a sorority girl. Hey, perfect. Perfect. I do not understand this obsession that men have with younger girls. I, I'm just, and I'm talking younger, like 16, 18, you know, that kind of, I, what? I, I've never, mm, just annoying. That's what I think. Annoying. I thought that when I was 18. Are we still surface? <laughs> <laughs> do I do I have a tendency to bring things down you to know, a point? <laughs> Stuart, you are like an anchor, sir. Yeah, you yeah. are steady and true, and you will find that bottom wherever it goes. Yes, I will. I'm a dead white whale, is what I am. Listen, you are like one of those whales that washed up on the beach and people tried to save it. And you're like, no, I'm beached now. This is my home. <laughs> And you end up being, you know, sort Isn't of fodder. It's strange for that I would candles. be attracted to comedy. I'm not funny. I'm funny is the last thing on my resume. I'm I don't know why I was ever attracted to this, you know? It was the women. You think so? It was the three I've had in twenty years. <laughs> well, Stuart, that's better than some people do. Right. I could have gotten that working at the bank. I mean, why didn't I do something with more income? I just assumed you didn't want to wear matching uniforms with everyone else. Yeah. That's true. Although when I was a kid, I did have a denim one-piece zip-up. Can you believe that a parent would do that? Do I believe that a parent wouldn't keep that? Is that thing still around? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we need to get that here ASAP you because need that? I'm about, I'm probably your size in high school. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a wonderful addition to my wardrobe. It was, I, oh, I hated it. It was so hot. It was a denim one. Oh, piece. it was hot, all right. <laughs> yes, it was. It had a red, white, and blue stripe. It was American, it too. It was American one piece denim zip up. Stuart, my one request from you. In my whole life now, and in your whole life, mm -hmm. will be, if you can find that, just let me know. Send think, me a little note in the mail. I think uh, I'm going to try all the way to make it happen. Because I will wear it, and I will put pictures on Instagram. I will go so far <laughs> as to say that I will make that promise to you, my friend. You have to wear it and go do a set at the drive through liquor store. Is that a deal? That is a deal. Where is the most unique place you've ever done comedy? Uh, prison. Go on. Yes. I've done three prisons, actually, and they're great. Just like you, I think we might have been talking about this off air, but the thing uh, that you need to know about performing in a prison, you don't pander, you don't, uh, you don't judge, you, not, you go up and you express yourself and you do your material. They respect you if you respect them. That's it. Well, yeah, you, you know? don't want to get cut, man. Yeah, I mean, I the first time, the first person I did, the the two people, the the opener and the feature act, just approached it from the worst possible. I mean, the the MC was trying to be their buddy. What's up, everybody? And they were looking at him like, "Are you kidding me?" You know. And then the next guy tried to like just pretend like he knew what their lives were like. And I went up there and told him, what'd you do to screw up and get in here? And everybody laughed, <laughs> you know? And then I talked about 
you know, whatever I talk about. I didn't change anything. I didn't change any of my material, but they loved it. I, I just figured, well, let's go up and be me and respect what they do. But I've done two uh, maximum security prisons and one minimum. But so getting cavity search to do comedy, that shows how much I love this art form. Mm. Now, how was the cavity search? Were the guards gentle? <laughs> um, yes, I'm going to say yes, because I have very little, uh, you know, thing to actually compare it to. I mean, I'm going to say yes. I, uh, I've been working on this bit lately about what we don't know. You hear so much about all this. I'm interested right now in what we as humans haven't figured out yet. Stuart, we know you. everything. I know everything. Is I have right? told it to people. They know I know everything. Is it is it eight? No, it's actually three. But oh, I want you to know. Oh, eight was my favorite number. I was hoping it was eight. It. Uh, but it's I love eight cut in half. Mm, that's right, oh. because I'm infinity cut in half. That's is, what I do. I don't need the are? whole thing. I just need half of infinity. That's you know what I mean? That's how good you are. That's how good I am. <laughs> you are a remarkable person. I'll give you that. Thank you, Stuart. Any other compliments? Please send my way. Uh, I will tweet those out. Uh, let people know how wonderful I am. Because if anything, I am a man of humility, sir. That's You scream humility. I think my pompadour does. I think people look at the quaff and they say, this right. is a man who certainly knows how to feel the angst right. of the masses. People just hug you randomly because they know that you're struggling. Mm, I get that a lot. Yeah. They say, this is a man in need mm. of love. Yeah, You don't have the sign, but you project the sign. Mm. Help. It's Help. interesting what your eyes can say when your mouth won't say it for you, you know, Stuart? <laughs> now, I think George Bernard Shaw did say that. When he was on his exactly. opium bender? Yeah, not exactly in that text. Yeah, he was on an opium, opium bender. <laughs> As one was wont to do back in the day. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I was One of my favorite uh, things that's happened to me on the road, I was driving in upstate New York, and I decided to get off the highway, you know, just get on the back road. Let's, mm. let's take a look. You know, Were you, was it fall? Were you leaf peeping? Oh, it was. Well, it wasn't quite the leafers mm. season. Oh, I love some good leaf peeping. Right. But they were starting to pack the picnic. Oh, yeah. It was right at that beginning. So I had the windows down. It was nice outside. And I'm on a back road and I, I crest a hill. There is a I'm going to go with 60 year old man. Overalls. No, no shirt underneath. No shoes. He was standing on the line in the road, in the dead center of the road, and he had a shotgun leveled at my car. So I hit the brakes, went down into the passenger seat, was thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Kept waiting for the blast to hit, you know, and I thought if I reverse, I'm on a hill. I got to go back. I'm just going to go. I put it in reverse. About the time I click the car into reverse, he, I turn, he's at my window, and he goes, don't worry about it, son. You ain't the son of a bitch I've been looking for. Welcome to New York. Well, isn't that reassuring? Isn't it nice? I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I was, my whole body was shaking, and but when he said that, I smiled, and I said, I hope you find him. <laughs> I was like... I love it when stuff like that happens to me. I mean, I'm not crazy about being someone pulling a gun on me, but now that it's over and the adrenaline is gone and I'm safe, what a nice story. Don't you know? worry, son. You're not the son of a bitch I've been looking for. Yeah. Wow. We have dug deep today, sir. I am so glad you've joined us. At this time in the show, we always like to give individuals the opportunity to share a final thought, an open mic, a carte blanche, if you will, to tell the masses what they want to hear. 
Oh, what the masses want to hear? Or what you want to tell them. Yeah, I don't think I want to. I like to pander. That's my that's my goal. I just pander away. Yeah. I'm a panhandling panderer. If they want to hear it, I'm going to tell it to them. Okay, I'll have two. We'll, we'll, we'll divide it into two then. All right. Let's do what the masses want to hear. We'll do that first. Bacon bowls are half price at Target. Woo! I love that. I think that about sums up what the masses want to hear. Yeah. Wow, bacon bowls are half price. I'm well. We might not even have time for the second half after that, Stuart. Because show's done. It's show over. Is over. Bacon bowls, half price. Half price. Target. Which brings me to what I want to say. Uh, no matter what side politically you're on, can we all agree on one thing? I want one thing: that anger towards a scientific thought. Theory, possibility, discovery, something is a ludicrous and ridiculous and pointless emotion. Can we say that? Look, for some odd reason, there's no anger when science invents frozen microwavable blueberry pancakes. Because it added something to our lives. You betcha. But global warming might just make us have to rein things in. What? It either exists, human inter- human interference and in global warming, it either is true or it isn't. We aren't 100% sure yet. Can we at least not get mad until we figure it out? Well, Stuart, I am not going to get mad. In fact, I am going to be glad that you have been on the show today. Sir, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Well, we, my friends, will be right back right after this. Hello, Sir Cornwallis Willoughby here for Canada. That's right, Canada. Or as we call it in Britain, the English countryside. It's now that time in the show when our guest asks Judy Scheinbaum some questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy, you're on the Booterverse. Oh, hello, Emery. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. I am sitting here with comedian Stephen... Huff, is that, what is it again, sweetheart? I can that never is, remember. That is very close. And you're so wonderful. I will allow you to call me Stephen Huff because I think it's wonderful. Listen, Stuart, I'm just joshing you. I love you. <laughs> anyway, you have some questions for the lone Judy. Go ahead and shoot. Oh, I have several questions that I've been dying to ask you. I love that. What is your opinion on belt buckles? Sweetheart, I wear a muumuu, I think people know. And for me, a belt buckle just is a little too much. What I like is a nice waist cinch belt. Uh, not too heavy, but, you know, listen, I'm not Cher over here, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not a rhinestone cowboy. I don't need a belt buckle that you could, you know, fit the state of Texas on. So I say nay to belt buckles of an enormous stint. Gone. They're gone. They're, they're dead to me, sweetie. They're gone. Question number two. Why is it that Child, I'm talking small children, one age one, two, that area. Those clothes are so exaggeratedly cute. Do you just see what I'm saying? It's jeans and a t-shirt for a 30-year-old, but it's a big bushy to-do for a one-year-old. Of course, it's like Steve McQueen, but in, you know, infant size. I love it. You know what I mean? If we could put a one-year-old on a holly and let that thing go, it would be priceless. What we need to stop doing is making these adult clothes for children. Listen, they, they all they need is a onesie and a diaper and they're good to go. You know what I mean? If you don't look like a stuffed animal when you're one years old, they're just not trying hard enough. You know what I mean? I don't need you to look like one of my five ex-husbands, okay? I need you to look like the adorable infant so I want to, you know, snuggle you and not kill you when you sleep. I agree totally. Children, little bitty, little bitty babies are already cute. Why are we adding stuff? 
Why? Because we want to personify adultification on the children, and it's just not right. Mm. See, this is the kind of political mind that I, I need to talk to. Sweetheart, you should come down to the nail salon. Uh, Raul will be doing my hair next Saturday, and you could come down and shoot the breeze with him. He's a lovely man. Now, let me ask you one more question. Okay. Do you have one more in you? Sweetie, I've got a bunch a bunch in me. I've had four husbands. I think you know where I'm coming from. Mm. <laughs> okay, I've got one more. And this is a serious question that's been on my mind lately. Do you think, in your opinion, that the the whole idea of the United States of America was a good idea? Sweetheart, I was never one to like wigs, even though I do have my beehive hairdo. I will say, though, that what those men in stockings were trying to do was probably much like the homosexuals of today in stockings are trying to do. You know what I mean? They're beating their own drum, trying to get land away from the, uh, you know, the monarchy, and trying to make their claim in a new world. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, if they want to use the front door or the back door, that's their issue. But I will say, the America of today could learn a little something from the America of yesterday. You know what I mean? We don't have to wear petticoats to understand freedom isn't free, you know? It comes in a yes. bottle of Vidal Sassoon. <laughs> now, Stuart, I'm going to get, you said it was the last one, but I will say okay. you have anything else for me, for little old Judy? No, there's lots of things that I'm curious about. Are you black curious about them, Stuart? I am, I am uh, definitely, if not maybe, tri-curious. Dry curious, you, me, and a box of Pall Malls. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Pall Malls. Listen, sweetie. You are for old school men in petticoats. Sweet, I like this. Sweetheart, you know, I think people know I gave up smoking years ago. Uh, but my definition of giving it up is going around the corner and smoking, if you know what I mean. I like that. That, again, is old school. I don't do it anymore because you don't see me do it anymore. I love that. It's sort of an Obama-esque sort of way of approaching cigarette smoking. <laughs> it was sort of Roosevelt's polio, if you know what I mean. If it's not captured by the cameras, it didn't happen. Which is absolutely true. That's absolutely right. That's the man the was 100% healthy. Yes. If it's on TV, it's fact. If it isn't, it doesn't exist. Boom. Boom. That's the bumper sticker. That is the bumper sticker. Sweetie, if you had a bumper sticker, what would it say? Oh, if I had a bumper sticker, it would probably say, uh, freedom without intelligence is dangerous. Mm, if I had a bumper sticker, it would say, this hairdo without hairspray is dangerous. <laughs> mm. Well, Stuart Huff, you, sir, are a gem. I love you. It's great to have you on the show. This has been The Last Lung with Judy. I love you all. And we'll be right back, right after this. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Ice. Ice, polar bear coasters since 15 million BC. Buddha. And now for today's Booter thought. I have three words for you, my friends. P-S-L. No, it's not praise the Lord. That's P-T-L. I'm talking about the pumpkin spice latte. Certainly the scourge of all coffee shops this autumn. Now, I know you've tried to sprinkle it on everything from your daughter's birthday cake to the windshield of your neighbor's car. Yes, they knew it was you, and they're filing charges. Pumpkin spice is now the scourge of the underworld, and we need to have it stopped. Just think of your local baristas. They're going crazy, and their fingernails are turning orange from your romp in the pumpkin patch. I mean, have you ever even been to a pumpkin patch? I think not. And where do you think pumpkin spice comes from? That's right, the rectum of a pumpkin. 
It's science. Look it up. Do you really want to be putting pumpkin rectum spice on your drinks? I think not. But here you are like sheep to the slaughter, following the herd any way they could. And you know how we're going to know who you are? Your wool has turned a nice autumn auburn orange. That's right. You're singled out, my friends. And the coffee Easter wolves are out for blood. That's right, regular coffee drinkers are incensed that to get their regular cup of joe, it now takes them three and a half hours on average in the morning. Now I know you think you're doing your part for the economy buying overpriced spice that was concocted in a Chinese laboratory, but my friends, you need to let it go. Oh sure, I know it's the holiday season coming up and you're feeling like you need to indulge, but let's be honest, there are more calories in that cup than there are in a Martha Stewart Thanksgiving feast, and that's saying quite a bit. Martha, I do love those lemon squares. But we're not talking about lemons, we're talking about another insidious piece of vegetable. That's right the pumpkin. Now I know it's bulbous and I know it's bright orange, but you need to stay away. What do traffic cones teach us? To stay away. You're not heeding the warning already laid out by the vegetable itself. So take it from me, the booter, I'm staying away from the pumpkin spice. Why? Well, actually it just makes me gassy. But it probably makes you gassy too. And that's been it for today's booter thought. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to thank comedian Stuart Huff for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, under the handle, The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.